Pullover One. Welcome to Multiple Calls, Episode 38. I'm Scott Hewlett. The idea that any firefighter would need to be encouraged to be fit to perform their job to prevent physical and mental injury and decrease the chance of chronic illness from exposures probably doesn't occur in the minds of anyone in our communities. But we all know different, and it's one of the many powerful examples to us, as it would be to them, of how human we all truly are. Our genes and their expression due to our experiences, and the stories that have shaped our perception of self, each other, and the world around us, vary, and therefore so do our needs to achieve health and wellness on and off duty. We should never lose focus of our responsibility to the communities that we all signed up to serve, but we should also pause to remember that we are a community within a community, and that we have a responsibility to support each other. Some are stepping forward understanding the health and wellness wants and needs of their current and future fire service family members, and working to help fulfill them. Two of those people make up Fit by Fire. Here's my conversation with Amber Bowman and TJ Johnston. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Hi, Scott. Hey, Amber. Good to hear you. Yeah, super excited to be back here. Thank you for having us. Ready to get into this. Yeah, I'm glad we could reconnect. So you and I did an episode episode 16, actually. So early days, it was two years ago, I think, according to when I looked at it on SoundCloud. And we did your full history and background and would love to get to TJ's eventually. You touched on the origins of Fit by Fire. And we've chatted a lot since then. Things have manifested and shifted and grown. So I just thought it made sense for us to reconnect and talk about it because I believe in what you guys are doing. Give me a quick recap of what we talked about in the first episode in regards to Fit by Fire, like how it got started. And then we can get on to you and TJ and how you connected and decided to work together. Yeah, absolutely. The original grassroots of Fit by Fire was I was racing in the Fire Fit Fire Combat Challenge races and was successful at the time and had a really hard time finding a sponsor. So TJ and myself were working at the fire hall one day and came up with the idea of creating a fitness business because that's what I did prior to being a firefighter working with the Canadian military and was a trainer after my hockey scholarship at the Ohio State University and put it out there to serve others through fitness, which then worked as my sponsor. So my clients became my sponsors so I could race around the world and compete in the combat challenge. So provided a service to the individuals so that they could achieve their fitness goals, both physically and mentally, and at a very small scale in comparison to our hopes and dreams as to what we want to do helping the fire service now. Currently, we have combined two master trainers or trainers that have been in the business for well over 20 years, myself, and then my business partner, TJ, who was a brick and mortar CrossFit gym most recent. But prior to that, he was a sports facility with sports and conditioning. And we have teamed up to create the new Fit by Fire. So we'll call it Fit by Fire 2.0. I don't know. Maybe that works. <laughs> sure. We are servicing firefighters across the world to achieve their fitness goals and stay in shape and have a very successful injury-free career. We're also helping the candidates passing the multiple physical tests required by most municipalities. Awesome. TJ, do you want to add anything to that? 
Bowie and I have been working together behind the scenes for a long time, and it's more recently been, let's take our relationship to another level in terms of what we can do for firefighters functional fitness online. So we partnered with a company called Train Heroic. They offer one of the best interactive, user-friendly apps on the market. And what we've done is made accessible functional strength and conditioning specifically geared towards firefighters and first responders available in your hands on your mobile device. We're both very, very proud of the programming and the support that that gives members easily available for less than $30 a month. We've had really good response from it, and we're excited to keep plugging away at it. So that actually segues nicely into what I wanted to ask next. So maybe we can expand on it if there's more there. Social media and the internet at large, they're flooded with fitness companies, coaches, trainers, workout programs, nutrition, supplement guidance, etc. The app's a good example of this, but is there anything else that sets Fit by Fire apart from the horde? Or is it that people just gravitate to who and what they align with and that there's room enough for all similar to the podcast world? I think that first and foremost, you should do what you love and what you will actually participate in. But when we're talking about us specifically and what we offer to our niche being firefighters and first responders is we're coming towards our programming and our support with the thought process and experience and hands-on training as firefighters and first responders ourselves. We aren't trying to be a catch-all fitness program for anybody. Not to say that the desk jockey who wants to get fit couldn't participate and get great benefits out of our program, but there's a lot of thoughtful input that we put into our programming as it relates to what the firefighter really needs to be prepared for, both mentally and physically on the fire ground, and also in terms of the common injuries that we see from our profession and we tackle those in a meaningful way. So those who participate in our program are going to be safer and they're going to be more effective and they're going to be better prepared to tackle that next call. Uh, but they're also going to feel better and get more out of life and into a healthy retirement. And also, as Amber brought up, very specific training to passing the FPAT, the CPAT or the York test that would allow you to become a firefighter because we've seen a lot of people put a lot of time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears into becoming a firefighter. And that's one of those hurdles that people are tripping over. So we've created an online affordable program that if somebody follows, they'll have no problems being able to blast any of those fitness testings. We are for first responders by first responders, and we're passionate about it. Just to add a little bit, we are very community-based. Once our individuals are part of our Fit by Fire community, we will do anything to support them along their career. We begin with these clients as a candidate, and we continually see these individuals work with us throughout the years, since really 2013 for myself, whether they need our support for a few months to a year, they go on their own, they come back. Um, and that's how we want it to be. We want to continually support these individuals as we are a community and we are striving to be the best versions of ourselves for the remainder of our careers. So you talked about your clientele demographic starting out as strictly firefighters and now adding in candidates trying to get onto the job. TJ, you touched on it. If there's anybody out there that wanted to train like a firefighter just to get fit and switch it up, they obviously could. 
for police and ambulance as well. Yeah, 100%. I think the fundamentals is it's movement-based training. We're trying to make sure that people are efficient at lifting and carrying and having to do high-level workload in a short amount of time, but also the ability to pace and understand how to struggle through and grind it out in some degree. Some people don't like the word functional fitness, but it is very functional and specific to general first responders. Definitely EMS, definitely firefighters, and to some degree, I would say police would really appreciate this kind of program for sure. Even military, um, there's a little bit in every program that incorporates a proper warm-up that's movement-based, that's going to help keep you injury-free and prepared for the workout. Every workout has a build section, which we refer to our strength work as build, because we're trying to build ourselves up and better ourselves. And the build movements are all related to movements that you're going to see on the fire ground at the emergency scene, but also in real life and practical sense. Our burn section, which is our metabolic conditioning section, fancy terms, but really just means thoughtful cardio or thoughtful conditioning. Not just thoughtful in terms of preparing us as first responders, but I think everybody wants to get lean and get the most out of their training. Everybody wants to look good naked, right? So we put some thoughtful process in. We're not going to do one-hour cardio sessions. We're going to do interval-based programs or we're going to do circuit-based programs because they have the best bang for the buck. They have the best metabolic component and they have the best crossover to first responders. And then there's also in almost all our programs some recovery work because as first responders, recovery work, whether it's recovery after the workout or recovery after the shift or recovering our sleep patterns. Recovery should be a thought process that first responders are looking to improve on globally. You brought up a great point there about people exercising for aesthetics. Not for everybody do exercise and fitness for aesthetics and exercise and fitness for performance align. And that made me really think about our job where the first and foremost goal should be to do fitness for performance. And then whatever body shape ends up manifesting out of that is what you need. I totally agree. I call that the all show, no go. <laughs> we all know that person or those people who, you know, they look good on paper, if you want to say that. But when you put them into the fire, literally and figuratively, they fall apart because it's about how they look and they've not properly prepared themselves. And I want to say that we 100% focus on performance, but there is to some degree, some thought on improving injury prevention, but also a little bit of functional bodybuilding. Because if we have a quality amount of lean muscle mass, that's going to help with health factors also. We want to look good and we want to feel good and we want to move well and we want to perform at our highest level. That's our focus when it comes to our programming. Are you guys helping people out with the nutrition end of things? Yeah, right now we are assisting people with nutrition guides. We can get super complicated sometimes, almost too focused that you kind of get paralyzed by it. So what works best for myself and our clients is nutrition guides, eliminating processed foods, decreasing your alcohol consumption. If we can focus on the elimination part and incorporate fruits and vegetables and lean meats, then the success rate for the average individual are tremendous. Just getting people to shift in those ways almost gets people started. They get their own momentum and they can fine tune the details from there. 
unless we're getting into performance based, which if you're, you know, competing in a combat challenge race, or you're doing some sort of competition or event, you don't need to be completely dialed in specific, you know, the 80-20 rule, 80% eat healthy, land growing foods, non-processed, we can have our healthier choices, then we're going to have the benefits of increased energy levels without having to weigh everything and measure everything if our goal is not to be solely performance-based. Yeah, I think one of the keys you mentioned there was feeling overwhelmed. So even if they're currently a firefighter, look at where maybe they think they need to get to and all the information that's out there. And it can just be this tsunami of being overwhelmed. Maybe you guys can speak to the first steps. How do people just make those first few steps, the first few changes? How do you get someone from not really focusing on this in their life to just getting the momentum? Because it's really hard, even in those first two months, is really brutal. For sure. Let's be honest. To get started is always the hardest thing for most people. That mental hurdle to say, yep, I'm going to start and I'm going to dig in here and I want to change something in my lifestyle, whether it's nutrition or a habit. We don't need to change 10 habits, but we need to change one or two habits initially, maybe being stuck physically not feeling good or mentally not feeling good to physically not looking the way you would like to look or performance-based. A lot of wake-up calls when you do have a big call or something that we haven't ran in a long time and you might have not been feeling your greatest that you have in the past and you go, oh my goodness, I need to change something. That's okay. That's a wake-up moment. And you're going to focus on changing one to two things. What we would recommend is, yes, nutrition. We really do need to focus on getting a solid sleep. It might not happen at work because we're obviously busy and shift workers, but we do need to set aside time the next morning or the afternoon. Running on two, three, four hours of sleep consistently for weeks upon weeks isn't going to work. Something in the wheel is going to break. Unfortunately, it's related directly to our sleep. Increasing water consumption, easy one for most people. Drinking your two to three liters of water and then adding in an extra liter if you're sweating, if you're performing a workout or you do have a heated call, you're increasing a liter per activity, we'd say. And then what we're here for is participating in a minimum of three to four strength and conditioning, metabolic conditioning workouts a week. Some people only have 30 minutes a day to move their bodies because of families and side jobs and life. COVID has thrown a lot of restrictions at us as well, but we do need to do purposeful movements each and every day as best we can. But if you can't get to each and every day, then really we need to focus on three to four and you will start to feel added health benefits, even just picking a couple of these suggestions. Amber and I are very like-minded. We've dealt with a lot of similar clientele and, you know, we've been around the block. We've tried the gimmicky stuff, both in terms of with our clients and with ourselves. And it really boils down to most people have paralysis by overanalysis at the beginning. Like for me, I have four kids. I'm not going to try to make myself a super, super clean, counted carb, fat, protein meal. But does that mean that for me, my focus isn't on making sure that my kids and myself get a quality vegetable or fruit at every meal. And there's some kind of quality protein, hopefully. And we focus on drinking less juice and less pop and less crap and drinking more water. 
for me, you know, limiting my my caffeine and my alcohol consumption. And those are all little things that if you do a good job, become big things. And when it comes to fitness, as a busy person, a shift worker myself, it seems like a lot of work and I can feel how it can be stressful for people that are overwhelmed in their lives. But the reality is if you schedule just a little bit of time, and let's be honest, everybody wastes at least probably 30 minutes searching their phone every day. If you commit to that time to just do something meaningful with movement, you're going to get more out of life. So yeah, I, I just really just put an exclamation mark on what Amber said anyways, but that's my two cents. One thing that can be a barrier to people is just access to equipment. There's a lot of people that are very gym focused and if the gym isn't available and they don't have that routine, they just stop. Also, if you don't have an athletic background, you really haven't been exposed to agility work and mobility work, stabilizer muscles, foundational stuff. People don't have access to equipment. They need to start foundationally. What can you do for them? Obviously, you're speaking to the situation for most of us being in Ontario, Canada. Everything is still shut down because of COVID. And we've been working with people uh, that probably only have stuff they can find around the house, maybe some hand weights, maybe some bands. Maybe we can support them and teach them how to make things at home. And that seems to have been a barrier for a lot of people and maybe an excuse too. In our crew programming, we have a garage gym version. Most of our programs, like our full kit and caboodle program, it really doesn't require anything other than some small cardio equipment that you could have in your garage or substitutes, a barbell, some hand weights, some bands, slam balls, possibly a sled. This seems like a big list, but once you get that down or you have access eventually to a functional fitness garage gym, you really don't need a ton of equipment. However, knowing that that's not available to everybody, we give substitutes, but also because we want to support our members and our supporter community, we actually are starting a crew minimalist program. And it's based on our crew program, our garage gym version, but it is just going to be minimal equipment you can find around the house. And if you're still not sure what to do in terms of equipment, you can literally just message me. I always say to the people that hop on, feel free to review the workouts the week before. And if you're not sure what to do, just message me and I'll figure it out for you. Now, in terms of building a foundation or if you don't know what to do, certainly you can't beat quality coaching, whether it's virtually or one-on-one or in a small group. But the reality is we live in a virtual world right now. So with our group, we in our apps have notes for every exercise. We also have a support video that you can open and there's a how-to video for each individual movement throughout the whole workout, warm-up, strength work, conditioning, recovery. Each one of those has a video you can look at. Uh, and again, review the week ahead. And if you have any questions, we will answer those. And if we're not sure if we can help you, we're going to send you somewhere on the interweb to get you more information to make sure you're doing well. We also have a foundation program. So if somebody's not ready to just kind of jump right in to our program as is, we have one that's kind of like an on-ramp where it gets you up to speed that's available. It's a 12-week program, but you can get started into it. And then when you feel confident, you can just jump into our regular crew membership. The newer firefighters, I find, are more keen to different styles of training. 
You know, they don't just jump into the fire hall gym and just do bicep curls while watching TV. Some of them do, <laughs> not all of them. So that's a bonus, right? They're doing functional strength and conditioning to some degree, and they understand some basics in terms of metabolic conditioning and interval training and circuit training and the benefits of those things. I would say that even the older generations are coming on board too. My captain, for example, he's going to retire in, was it like six weeks, boy? Yeah. And he's one of our like biggest advocates. He's been on for 30 plus years and he got onto this kind of training. And he used to be the kind of person who would play sports, hockey, would hop in the gym, maybe do bench press and bicep curls and then go for like a 10K run. And not to say any of that is wrong, but is there a better way? Yes, there is. And we've done the research on what that better way is, or at least one of the better ways to approach it. And once he hopped on to this style of training, he says he'll never go back. So it's it's not like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. We can make impact across the board, whether it's new recruits, whether it's firefighters just getting on, whether it's you know, the old salty dog or it's the you know firefighter into retirement. We have the approach that's going to service everybody. Is there anything to the idea of working out or shifting your fitness for your age group? How you'd work out in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. Is there anything to that? Or is that just something that's been floating around that's stuck? And there's really just a consistent way of approaching things regardless of your age. It's okay with me grabbing this one, Amber, and maybe you can add to it. I think that we all know that we recover faster when we're younger. That's just a matter of fact. Our metabolism's also slowed down as we age. I would say that the type of training changes, but I think the degree of training and the approach to training should maybe be adjusted. So you might not be able to get the same amount of volume, the amount of times you work out or the amount of weight you lift or the amount of sets you do as you age. You may need to focus more on movement quality But I still think that it doesn't matter across the board what age you are focusing on really moving well and the hierarchy of approach in terms of time spent in the gym should be on mobility and resistance-based strength training and then interval-based conditioning with some circuit training and that's it. Anything outside of that for most people is going to be possibly wasteful in terms of time spent. Yeah, it's not the quantity of our workouts, the time duration, or how many we get in. It's more of the quality of the movement patterns. And we're very prideful about this because we're living it. We work with the older individuals in the service, as well as the brand new people. So we see the full spectrum of individuals, as well as ourselves. You start your career trying to do everything you can to win this golden ticket. You get the job and then all of a sudden you're writing for your acting captain and captain exams and you're having family and you have four kids running around. They're at home (laughs) virtual learning and you're tired and you have pains that you never experienced before and you have all these added stresses that we never really thought of. And in order to decrease those stresses. You move the needle just a little bit each and every day. And those stresses don't seem like they're consuming your life. They are in a place that is sustainable. And you feel better within this community of like-minded individuals who are also experiencing everything that you are, if not currently or have in the past. 
we're all doing the same workout and working together for the same common goal of being the best versions of ourselves for our communities, for ourselves, for our families, for our jobs. What we said yes to however many years ago was your first day on the job. What about people that want to start it with body weight work only? Can people stick with that? Is there a level or quantity or type of body weight program that people can do that can sustain them? We know the benefits of adding extra resistance, but maybe speak a bit to using your own body as resistance and again, eliminating that thought barrier in your mind of like, well, I need this before I can do something. So first, I think that you can get super jacked from doing body weight training, 100%. And obviously, right now, a lot of people don't have access to equipment, and that could be a solid option. We're talking about working as firefighters and first responders. You have to lift, drag, carry heavy loads. You have to do unilateral work, so awkward side-to-side movements. There's no way you're going to be properly prepared to drag a patient or myself out of a basement if all you do is burpees. I'm just going to say that out loud. You have to practice what you play. Like You have to do your best job to simulate these movements that are so, so important. Also, there's a diminishing return on body weight movements in the sense that there's only a certain amount of variations you can do, but also there's going to be some limitations. And adding to that or segueing from that, in some cases, body weight movements can be actually more challenging or let's say less scalable than even some free weight movements. Because I've worked with youth athletes before and you know I've seen some of them do brutally, brutally, let's pick some exercise, let's say push-ups. They just don't physically have the trunk and upper body pushing capacity to do that movement well. Sure, you could go to the knees. But doing like a light barbell or light dumbbell bench press is probably going to be safer and more efficient for them. You're picking the right tool for the job. When it comes to training as first responders, we have to be doing resistance-based training. We have to be preparing to move heavy loads. We have to be doing unilateral or awkward movements because that's where we're going to be hung up or potentially injured on the job. So we have to bomb-proof ourselves to make sure that doesn't happen. And we need to be doing circuits or intervals that incorporate using tools or moving things because that's what we're going to be doing. We don't ride the fire truck, hop off the truck, and then sit on a bike for 30 minutes. (laughs) You know, that's not our call. We jump off the fire truck we throw on our gear, we pull off the hose off of the side of the truck, we grab our tools, we breach the door, we're crawling and dragging hose, we're potentially pulling out patients, we're doing overhaul, and we have to do that not only in a muscular sense, but in a cardiovascular sense, knowing your threshold and your ability to understand what you can sustain for a certain amount of time is so, so important. You need to be simulating what our job requires to be the best prepared as a firefighter. That's a great jumping off point. Drill-based, skill-based, strength training, throwing ladders, if you have a four-store, simulating like with sledgehammer hits on a tire, these kind of things, dragging a heavy bag across the apparatus bay floor. So I have two thoughts I want to try to integrate here and run by you. Obviously, we can't judge 
seeing someone post a video that's 30 seconds long of them doing an exercise, but I find it common when you see candidates trying to show that they're trying to get on the job, they're doing a skill-based task, and what I feel from that is that maybe sometimes they're trying to kill two birds with one stone. So get the fitness, do the skill, and learn the skill at the same time. Is there benefit to separating those two sometimes? So spending some time learning the movements of the skill, but that has to be augmented by a more structured, broad-based program, like you said, the build and burn and the recovery. And then with guys or girls that already have a structured fitness program, is there benefit to doing that kind of stuff off the job? And then when they're at work, really focusing on moving the stuff they actually move and drilling those skills. Hopefully I framed that properly and you guys can speak to it. Yeah, I totally believe in quality versus quantity. Once again, we need to understand how to do the proper movement patterns for the task at hand. So if that is throwing a ladder, we need to methodically understand how that task is going to be accomplished for you as the individual. So let's talk a little bit about smaller firefighters versus larger firefighters. We talked about body weight programming. A smaller firefighter might be able to rep out 100 reps of a certain movement pattern from their body weight, but yet they don't have the strength capacity to throw a ladder because they're so light that they're not challenged with that increased strength resistance for the ladder. Versus a larger individual might have the strength capacity to throw the ladder one or two times, but doesn't have the metabolic conditioning to throw that ladder properly multiple times. So that's where we need to train for performance of our jobs in terms of fitness and what to do off hours and what to do on hours of our shift. I think it is a good complement to one another to focus your gym time or training time for your own individual body capacity versus on shift when you have access to the tools that you're going to be using on calls to get the confidence and your muscle memory of using those tools properly and consistently while at work with your crew members as well. When you train as a crew, we understand we're a team and we understand strengths and weaknesses amongst that team as well. We don't want to have all the same firefighters really strong in one area and really weak in other areas. It's best to have a crew if we can to have individuals really strong in various areas. I understand my team going forward to a call, who's best suited in what situation and who is going to be called upon potentially based off of their strengths, put them in their areas as needed so that we are bringing top service to our community on that call. Amber's thought process on the generality of it, I totally agree on. To be specific in terms of our approach, programming-wise, skills and drills, where their importance fit in to our programming, you're going to be able to simulate movement patterns and cardiovascular respiratory. I have the lungs for the job factors. We can simulate that really, really well if we're thoughtful on our training. But when we're talking about like fine skills, I think that's what you were getting at. Like, should we be training fine skills at the same time, like in a circuit or after a workout? Is that kind of what your question was? People might use specifically these skills as their fitness time and getting your thoughts on the need for both. One other complication to add that people may be overwhelmed, and this is where getting coaching and proper structure in a week 
through the shift can be of great benefit. Amber's actually a really good uh, example of this. She would do strength and conditioning during the week and we would work on her weaknesses. And a lot of it had tie-in to the skills required for her race. But you can't deny that working on those skills themselves are irreplaceable. And that makes or breaks the difference becoming the world champion, but it also makes the difference between making you an okay operator and a, a great operator at the fire scene. So you do need to work both ends of the spectrum. We do incorporate, especially our candidate fitness prep program, obviously there's a Saturday day specifically for skills, skills that they will see to pass the FPAT, CPAT in York. They need to be practicing that. But even those days aren't do it as many times as you can, as fast as you can. It's like, okay, you're going to do this slow circuit and we want you to improve. We want you to be meaningful with your approach to it. You might see in our programming, like we do sled pulls and tire strikes and stuff with a sledgehammer. There's crossover, but the focus is on functional fitness as it relates to firefighting. We're not like, okay, you're going to run hill sprint and then come down and you're tying a figure eight on a bike (laughs) we're not going to do that right like separate days separate times to focus on what's important for that facet for sure one other factor i'd like to run by you sticking with skills or working out at work you can see some people might say well i don't know what call's coming so i don't want to be gassed out from that so i just won't work out at work and i'll wait for the calls but then you get a quiet day and it's a wasted day I think this is maybe something where people can benefit from structure and coaching through a week and through a shift pattern where you can work out at a certain level at work while still being conscious of what you might have to do in a moment's notice. You might not want to do that crushing workout. You can barely get up off the floor and then the tones drop for a fire. Yeah, totally. Yeah. People ask us about that for sure, Amber, like, and maybe that's some, some people's excuses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to be conscious and you got to know where you are. And I think this is yeah. some limitations of some individuals is if they're not actively following a consistent gym routine or training routine, then they don't actually know where they fall on their own spectrum. So they get nervous. And I'm not too sure if I should train on shift or I'm not just going to train today because I need to be 100% on that call. And I respect that, but I also challenge that thought process in terms of, do you know what your limitations are? Because that individual probably does not know what their limitations currently are because they're not actively Mm -hmm. moving that needle towards their fitness goals. So do you need to be maxing out in the gym? on shift and then a big call comes in and then you are a waste of space? No, absolutely not. But that doesn't mean you can't get in the gym and work on your mobility that day or work on sub max work. On our program, we scale everything out of 10 for effort level, how that workout was as a challenge for you. So you might not be an eight or nine out of 10 that day, but you're still moving that needle and pushing your threshold just a little bit while on shift. And that's a consistency that really matters. And I guess we could also argue the other side of the coin that if I'm doing thoughtful, purposeful, intensity, appropriate work and a call drops, I'm already warmed up, which we don't get the opportunity if you're sitting on the couch. That's way more risk than being warmed up. Yeah, I think I'm mentally and physically more prepared for 
shit hitting the fan after I've done a proper workout than being at the hall all day being static for sure. I think we focus a lot on our physical well-being, just even the thought process of me working out or me following and being supported by a fitness program. We focus on the physical results of it. But mentally, what is it also doing? Whether we're working out at work as an individual or with your crew, that mentally is totally engaging you that much more to be ready for the big calls or any calls that are coming in. Mentally, if we can just be a little bit sharper, you're going to feel better and your outlook of the call most likely will be at a better perspective talking about mental health as well. You know, a lot of people as firefighters, as they lose fitness when they're on the fire ground or they're in an emergency scene, unfortunately, they're having to think about that. And it's an eliminating factor and how liberating it would be to not have to worry about that. So you could just focus fully on the job at hand. Yeah, totally. And Scott, maybe you want to elaborate on that from your mental health side. Is there a comparable? Yeah, the foundation is what you're saying is your baseline every day. Mm -hmm. So if your baseline is feeling overall pretty good, then you're going to be able to take on more mental and physical strain. It's just been an anchor for me. The past three to five years have been a very heavy stress load. And keeping the anchor of fitness and nutrition and trying to focus on sleep. And I was going to ask you about it, but I can speak to it about being more process oriented than outcome focused. So I don't really worry about what the outcome is going to be. I know it's going to be better. So I really don't need to focus what the better is going to be. I just stick to the process and trying to be true to form and put my money where my mouth is. I came off shift today. We weren't too busy last night, but you're coming off shift after a 24 and I got it in before we talked today. I found what time I had, what I had in the tank, what does my body require and sometimes going downstairs and doing what I don't want to do. (laughs) (laughs) But, But always being glad that I did when I'm done. And sometimes I'll have the thought of, well, I could push this to the afternoon Or I get it out of the way now, and then when the thought comes in the afternoon, oh, I should work out, it's like, oh, I already did. Now I'm just enjoying the rest of the day and the fact that I don't have to do it because it's done. I think all those factors together build mental resiliency. We're all going to be challenged in ways that push us beyond that resiliency, and then we're into recovery. But you have so much more, I guess, mental gas in the tank to bring you back. Yeah. Embrace the process and the journey will take care of itself. The process, the practice, whatever word you want to put in there, you're being mindful of your intentions for that day, whether that's you looking at it from a physical standpoint. Mental is a little bit harder to gauge because we don't really have a visual metric of it. But if we consistently engage in that process, then the outcome of being resilient and more mindful is going to succeed and put you in a better state overall. And staying with the mental aspect, I want to be happy. The outcome is me being happy, not feeling happy that day, feeling bad that you don't feel happy. What do I need to do for happiness? You're always sort of looking at this outcome of this feeling of happiness. It's incredibly cliche, but I guess it's incredibly true as well, is that the more you keep looking for it, you're not going to get it because you're too busy looking. Like happiness is a result of a bunch of other things that you do, and it's something that happens to you. In a way, you can't necessarily choose it as much as you can choose processes that lead to it, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, for sure. And I, I haven't heard very many people, if not ever at all, regretful of doing a workout. They're more regretful of skipping something. Your day goes on, you're like, oh, I haven't got it done. I haven't got it done. I haven't got it done. Versus, you know, you might not want to get there because you're tired or you're not really engaged in your physical process. However, you engage in it and you follow through with it. And all of a sudden, all the added benefits follow. Maybe what we can touch on just to button this up is to build on what you just said. And I believe what you're touching on is balance. And there's a fine line between balancing recovery and sliding back into complacency. And very often, especially on social media, it's a lot of push on embracing the suck and get in there anyways and do it and push through. There are great benefits to grit and mental toughness. And what we see is a Navy SEAL mentality. The Jocko will neck up at 4.30 every single day, just crushing it. Um, but really, there's a balance. And maybe you guys can speak to that of being kind to yourself along the way while still <laughs> pushing yourself along the way. Yeah. You see Jocko Willink watch. That's amazing. But he doesn't actually post any of his workouts from my understanding. So maybe his 4.30 is him actually getting up and doing a mobility session versus having those sweat drops on the ground, which you often see, which is great. But he also talks about in his podcast, just because I've listened a little bit, about how much reading he does and how much mindfulness he does. And, and he's out in nature and he's surrounding himself with like-minded individuals who embrace the positivity of life as well. Even though he's seen the dark side many, many times I think balance is a whole lot of everything. And as we're working with the younger generation of firefighters versus the older, I think you do see more and more compassion. Not that the older firefighters were not compassionate. It just wasn't as open or accepted. Now we're a lot more compassionate amongst each other, but towards yourself. Like self-love yeah. is needed. It's okay to show emotion if we have a tough call. And it's okay to tell each other that you love them amongst your crew. We don't have to be best friends. We don't have to hang out outside of the job, but we do need to be best teammates. And what mm -hmm. is a best teammate? You can go and hug that person or show some sort of love towards that individual if they're having a tough day or a tough moment, because you don't know if it's going to happen to you one day. And God forbid it does. But being emotional is all a part of the balance of our overall well-being. Maybe we can frame it as showing emotional investment in people. Love it. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a love. <laughs> <laughs> I know I say love. People think it's like groupy love. I haven't came up with a better word for me personally that works because, you know, we're all A-type personalities that are like hard, hard on the exterior. I call us jelly beans. And I, I think right. I said it before on your podcast, yeah. you know, we're really hard on the exterior. We're go-getters. We're focused. We're goal-oriented. But the more you get to know that individual the more of a jelly bean they are inside and mushy and caring. And that's why they're so passionate and so hard on the outside is because they actually give a shit. Yeah, it was just communicated differently through that generation. Mm -hmm. I completely align with you in the use of the word love, but I think people in general aren't necessarily perceiving it where you have a different love for your daughter, for your wife, for your friend, Correct. for a coworker. There's different types of love. And sometimes the word, because they have one frame of reference for it, can back them off completely from just being emotionally invested. So whatever you want to call it, <laughs> whatever gets you there. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. 
I mean, Aubrey Marcus talks about everything is fucking beautiful and he's love and he's compassionate and it's emotional and this and that. Yet he's a hard ass himself, goal driven and determined and all of those things. And he's another one that you can learn a lot from in terms of being emotionally uh, what was your word? Emotionally invested. <laughs> invested. I like it. Yeah. Invested in yourself and in others and in life. Yes. Yeah. Quick two cents on specifically what we talk about with our clients when they're stressed out, when they're tired, and what they should do with their training. Whether you just have a new baby, <laughs> like mm-hmm. somebody I know, or something's going on in your life, or you're dealing with an injury, and and for most people. of the time, my suggestion is to back down the intensity and the amount of work you do, but still get in and still stay consistent because losing that consistency is where people usually completely fall off. So maybe you just go in and do the warm up and you do a little bit of strength work. And you know what? If you're not feeling doing the conditioning of the day, don't do it. But you got and you did something, right? I know Amber, for example, did that quite a bit when she had her newborn. She wasn't able to get in and do the whole workout, but she got in and she got what she got done. And just to like finalize things in general here, you know, to anybody listening out there, if you need any help when it comes to fitness and nutrition, we don't have the answers. We're going to find answers for you and feel free to reach out to us. We also have some free programs, some free information. We also have a trial membership that you can, you know, give us a go. There's no commitment in any in any way. We're just really here to support our firefighting family when it relates to fitness and wellness, and we're super passionate about it. Awesome. So let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, easiest would be at fitbyfire.com on Instagram and Facebook. But yeah, fitbyfire.com has all the information that you need right there. Thanks for having us once again. And thanks for being you and doing this for the community as well. Thanks, Scott.